Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, is writing a book about leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic. Andrew Cuomo, whose policies are responsible for killing thousands of senior citizens, writing a book on how to lead during the coronavirus, which I will read just after I finish Harvey Weinstein's new book on relationships and Jeffrey Dahmer's book on nutrition. Does not make a whole lot of sense. American crisis, leadership lessons from the COVID-19 pandemic is hailed by its publisher as a remarkable portrait of leadership during crisis and a gritty story of gut-wrenching choices that point the way to a safer future for us all. Gut-wrenching choices like, hey, should we kill all of those elderly people or not kill them? And he, I, I, I disagreed with the choice that Cuomo made, but apparently that's just fine for the publishers. Cuomo was one of the headliners of the Democratic National Convention last night. Cuomo genuinely was one of the best that they've got. That does not bode very well for the Democrats in November. We will get into the best of the worst on Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday from John Egan. When AOC said, I have been thinking, well, we know that's a lie. That's a good point. I don't know. Right off the top, you, you know, politicians are supposed to be able to persuade you. But when AOC opens a statement with, I have been thinking, we just know that anything that's going to follow is not true. I also want to thank our friends over at Coastal. You know, it's very difficult these days to find a decent priced pair of glasses. But at Coastal.com, you can get prescription glasses starting at $9 with free shipping and 30-day risk-free returns. Now, one of my favorite part about Coastal, Coastal has a great selection. You're not going to find a better selection anywhere uh, of glasses. But one thing I really, really love about them, they have the most advanced virtual try-on technology that you will find anywhere. So you, you, can, uh, you can move your head around. You can see how they look. A lot of other companies, you know, you'll, they'll have to mail it to you. You try them on, then you don't like them. You got to mail it back. Not with Coastal. Uh, it's, it's just tremendous. Uh, you, can, you can finally see what all these things will look like. Just go over there. You can even see just what shapes look like on your face. With Coastal, you don't have to spend hours at the store or hundreds of dollars. Go to Coastal.com. You pick the frames you want. You see how they look on you, on your phone even, and then you enter your prescription details and order. It's really, a, really a tremendous experience. Really very simple, straightforward. Through October 31st, they were offering our listeners the best deal they have going anywhere which is 50% off your first set of glasses at coastal.com slash Michael. Get free shipping, 30-day risk-free returns, 50% off at coastal.com slash Michael, only until October 31st. C-O-A-S-T-A-L dot com slash Michael. Some restrictions may apply. Andrew Cuomo, just staring reality in the face and then putting up that middle finger. That's what Andrew Cuomo is doing by publishing this book on leadership. And he did it throughout all of his speeches. And it wasn't just him, it was all of the Democrats. The key theme to the Democratic National Convention has been trying to seem like they don't hate America, right? The Democrats have spent the last six months burning the American flag, burning America, burning the country to the ground, toppling statues of George Washington, talking about what a terrible country this is and always has been, publishing huge stories in the New York Times about how America's racist and terrible, we have to overthrow the founding. Then you get to November and they say, oh gosh, maybe that's not, not a great way to win an election by running against the American flag. So the theme of the convention is we the people, as if they gave two cares in the world about the constitution. 
and the, the theme has been patriotism. So Andrew Cuomo gets up there and he talks about just how much he loves America. Joe Biden is what I call America tough, tough in the best way, tough that is smart, united, disciplined, and loving. Joe Biden can restore the soul of America. America. It's America tough. That's a good thing. And this country, it's got a good soul. Donald Trump, he's chased that soul away, but we got to restore the soul of America. Restore the soul of America sounds in a way like make America great again, doesn't it? That's, that's saying the same thing. America used to be great, used to have this wonderful quality. Now it's not there anymore, but we're going to bring it back. That's a very different tune than Andrew Cuomo was singing year, year and a half ago when he said explicitly, accidentally, what he actually thinks, which is that America was never that great. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. We have not reached greatness. America was never that great. We have not reached greatness. We all knew that the Democratic elites felt this way, right? The, look at the 1619 Project. Look at the curricula in schools and colleges for the last decades. Look at what they say when they're being honest on the campaign trail. But even that crowd that was there for Andy Cuomo, they cheered when, when he said America was never that great. They cheered. That's what they believe. That's what the party believes. And so the, the problem for the DNC right now is their base hates the country, but they need to convince middle America, you know, all those people in the center, the moderates, the suburban housewives, that, that they don't hate America. And it doesn't really work. So Cuomo pretends to love the country, that we can play the old clips though, right? The Democrats cozied up to a radical woman. Her name is Linda Sarsour. She is an Islamist. She is uh, very opposed to, to much of what we cherish in this country. They've embraced her. Even the Women's March wouldn't embrace her. She's so radical. But the DNC did because they had to. Because Linda Sarsour explained the central tension of the DNC for the past couple nights. Namely, this party belongs to the far left. The Democratic Party is not perfect. Um, but it is absolutely our party in this moment. It's absolutely our party in this moment. Uh, something tells me. First of all, what, who, is, who is Linda Sarsour referring to as we? She's not referring to Democrats because she's making a distinction between her and the Democrats. She's not referring to Americans. If you have ever heard anything this woman's ever said, you, you realize she doesn't identify primarily as an American in the spirit of 76. She's referring to the far left. I'm not, frankly, I'm not even saying she's referring to Islamists or any of that. I, I think Linda Sarsour is essentially a far leftist. She once explained that she only put the hijab on because before she wore the hijab, she was just another white woman in New York which gets into a whole other discussion about identity politics and how Arabs and Middle Easterners used to be considered white, but then tried to create this separate identity group, all, all presuming that there's such a thing as white privilege, which raises the question, if there's such a thing as white privilege, why would you try to distinguish yourself from the white category? In any case, that's a discussion for another time. I'm sure they'll be having it at the DNC all night tonight. She's right. The party belongs to the far left. So does a lot of the country belong to the far left at this point, okay? So 
the Democrats can't be that honest about it. They've got to give these radicals a little bit of airtime here at the DNC because they know their base likes that and they're now beholden to the far left. So what do they do for the rest of America? They just outright lie. And we've got our liar in chief over here, right back to Andrew Cuomo. The European virus infected the Northeast while the White House was still fixated on China. America can still rise to the occasion. We can put our differences aside and find commonality. Government can tell the truth and can build trust. We can judge by content of character rather than color of skin. We can care for one another, that Americans can work together and forge community and a competent government. That of course we will wear masks because we are smart and because I care about you and because you care about me. Of course we will socially distance because staying away shows how close we actually are. Yes, we will set up testing and tracing and do whatever we need to do to mobilize to win this battle because we are America. We win wars and we are the greatest country on the globe. And for all the pain and all the tears, our way worked and it was beautiful. So until we get to that bit at the end, you know, America is the greatest country and all that, until we get to that, that kind of boilerplate patriotism that Cuomo has been injecting all over the place, everything he said before that is untrue. Every single thing. He opens up calling it the European virus. Talk about, you know, the, the left always hits the right for conspiracy theories, the Q people or whatever, the, the, the Democratic Party broadcast in prime time that the virus that we know with 100% certainty came from Wuhan, China, actually came from Europe. Now, why is he saying that? Well, because what he's saying is that it's racist. The Democrats have all been saying this, that it's racist to refer to the virus as the China virus. You shouldn't refer to it with a geographic location, but you can refer to it as European. Well, why is that? Because you can't be racist against white people is one thing that they would say. But then when it comes to affirmative action, they count Asians as white people. So it's very, very confusing. When you go down the road of identity politics, you don't know where you're going to end up. And it's certainly not going to make a lot of sense. But this is Orwellian. I mean, just that line. We're going to stay apart so that, that we can show how close we are. Being apart makes you very close. We're going to wear masks because we're smart. And smart people, they always have to wear masks. Yeah. Yeah, that's because of all that scientific evidence, you know? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. I'm Andrew Cuomo, great leader during coronavirus. I don't think so. None of it is true. The worst part of it, the worst part, sort of the saddest part of his whole oration is that he said, we, you know, we believe in the content of your character. They don't. They obviously don't. He's hearkening back to Martin Luther King, who says that, you know, one day he hopes that his black children can play with white kids and they'll They'll be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Right after he gets in this ridiculous jab about the China virus and the European virus. So that makes it ridiculous. But even consider it on a broader level. John Marini has made this point before. The phrase, judge on the content of one's character, doesn't have any meaning in a culture that doesn't have objective standards. In a culture that doesn't acknowledge objective virtue or the metaphysical soul or 
a, a moral standard or standards of behavior that we all have to follow. In, that, in this kind of culture that we have, the democratic culture of do, do what you want to do and if it feels good, do it. And a man can be a woman and nothing is objective and nothing is true. And we have to deconstruct everything and, and uh, overturn statues. In, in, that, in that culture where everything's up for grabs, you can't judge someone on the content of one's character because that presumes a common understanding of virtue that does not exist, that we do not have, and we don't have it because the Democrats destroyed it. They kept using the whole infomercial. That's why I'm referring to the DNC. It's just a very long infomercial. The whole infomercial was just one, one hack lesson in cheap political rhetoric. We'll get into one specific trick that they use that the minute you hear it, you're never going to be able to listen to this again. The minute you hear it, you'll, you can't unhear it. We'll get to that one second. First, though, got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know, it can be very difficult to keep an eye on who is outside your house all day, whether you are home or not. Maybe you're in your bedroom. Maybe you're at the office. Maybe you're on a beach somewhere. Hard to keep an eye on your home. Ring gives you protection at every corner. Video doorbells let you answer the door and check in on your home anytime. Keep an eye on your doorstep. You speak to delivery people when you can't come to the door. With outdoor security cameras, you can check in on every part of your house. Never miss a moment. Smart lighting brightens up blind spots. Make sure you always come home to a brightly lit house. Full home security systems give you everything you need to protect your family, pets, and property. I really trust these guys. I've mentioned this before. This is, this is my trick to my friends, is I give them Ring home security kits as a housewarming gift because it's very helpful. I care about my friends. I want them to be safe because it makes you feel like you're cool in the future. But most importantly, from my perspective, it's not that expensive. So you seem like a very cool guy, even though you haven't had to spend a lot of money. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles. The Welcome Kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. All you need to start building custom security for your home today. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. There's this, there's this trick. You hear it. I'm sure the Republicans do it too, but the Democrats do it so much less convincingly. When politicians speak, they, they use a construction which is this, not that. So let's say like, you know, I like pancakes, not omelets. I, I like uh, sunshine, not rain. I, I like chocolate, not vanilla. And the thing about it is when, when a hack politician is using this kind of construction, you always know the thing they say they're not doing is the thing they are doing. So just, I'll give you an example. Just take a listen. Here's DNC chairman, Tom Perez. And then of course our liar in chief, Andrew Cuomo with this precise construction. We will work to meet our extraordinary challenges because progress is made by the hopeful, not the cynical. And we will do that work together because movements are built by the many, not the few. A leader who appeals to the best within us, not the worst. A leader who can unify, not divide. A leader who can bring us up, not tear us down. And of course, in all of these cases, the thing they're saying they're not doing and the things they say they are not are the things that they are and the things that they're doing. The, the, the future, you know, the political movement belongs to the hopeful, not the cynical. It's like, has there ever been a more cynical person than Tom Perez? This is built by the many, not the few. The DNC is one of the most famously oligarchic organizations in America. We need a leader who will bring us together, not divide us. Name me a more divisive politician than Andrew Cuomo. He just said America was never that great. <laughs> you know, come on. Come on, folks. 
We need someone who's going to lift us up, not bring us down. Andrew Cuomo has got thousands and thousands of senior citizens dead because of his stupid policies. So this is what they do. They're just lying to you. It's all a big lie. And I want to get into in a moment why they think they can lie to you. But just consider how far these lies go. The Democratic National Convention believed that it was a good idea to send a member, a representative, to the Native American caucus, the Native American working group. Do you know which prominent Democrat they sent to the Native American caucus? To, I, uh, you know, I know that you know, you know that I know that you know. Take a listen. Hello to the DNC Native American caucus. It is such an honor to join you all today. Liawatha herself, there she is, Focahontas. Chief Spreading Bull, she, this woman who had to drop out of the presidential race, who was crippled going into the presidential race in a way that she never recovered from because she lied about being Native American to get better jobs, to advance in her career. She lied for decades and then it turned out she's the whitest woman to ever walk the earth. They sent her as if none of that happened. You remember at the time she took a DNA test, she said, I might be one 1,024th Native American. She published this. She sent this to the Boston Globe as though that exonerated her. That's how divorced from reality they are. That's how much they think they can hoodwink you. And they're doing it again. Doesn't matter. Now, part of the reason they sent Liz Warren in the Democrats' defense is, who else are they going to get? Name me a prominent Native American Democratic politician at the national level. Can you name me one? No, of course not. And, And frankly, the whole democratic left-wing argument on Native Americans is they're a separate country, it's their land, they shouldn't participate in colonial American politics. So they're, they're setting themselves up from the beginning not to have any prominent Native American politicians. Also, when you divvy up the electorate and you make your entire base, your whole coalition, just about ever more narrow identity victim groups, well, then you have egg on your face when you don't have a representative for that victim group. I mean, um, you know, the the victim groups divide and divide and divide. There's no end to that. So eventually they're going to run out of people to represent them. They seem already to have done that. That's why they had to send Liz Warren. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe the most egregious lie, the most patently absurd one came from a little bit of a, a blast from the past. Bill Clinton, the first president that I remember, you know, going back to some of our childhoods, came out to lecture President Trump. Bill Clinton, who just had photos released yesterday of him receiving a neck massage from one of Jeffrey Epstein's sex slaves. Bill Clinton has a bit of a colorful history when it comes to his personal behavior. Went out and lectured Donald Trump about how to comport himself in the Oval Office. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. The buck never stops there. And let me tell you something. If somebody knows about bucking in the Oval Office, it's me, okay? I know a thing or two. I never wanted to stop bucking in the Oval. All right, that's enough. That's enough of that. We all know that Bill Clinton got up to no good in the Oval Office. This was kind of the news story of the 1990s. When I think of coming into watching the news, you know, for the first time following politics, 
Bill Clinton's personal behavior in the Oval Office would probably be at the top of the list. But he can do it, just like he did it in the 90s. Remember, he came on TV in the 90s, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Mm. And then like five minutes later, he has to go back on TV, stare at the same TV camera. He goes, all right, I might have had some sexual relations with that woman. Sorry. Whoops. Believe me now, though. Believe me. I feel your pain. That's what he always did. The Clintons, probably the most famous shameless liars in the country. And they defined the Democratic Party for decades. But is it still their party? I mean, they've kept the lying, they've kept the dishonesty, they've kept the shame, shamelessness. But why did they put Bill Clinton up there? What were they thinking? It, does Bill Clinton really define the Democratic Party anymore? Probably not. They may have wanted to have a voice of relative moderation. It's unbelievable when you think of Bill Clinton's personal behavior that he is a voice of moderation. But he is in today's Democratic Party, which has shifted so far to the left. It is certainly no longer the party of Bill Clinton. Uh, the, the DNC probably hasn't caught up with that, and they're trying to cobble together this coalition of people who all share a similar kind of ideology, but they're, they're in such disparate groups. The, the Democratic strategy being division, they do have a hard time holding their coalition together. The Democrats feel they can lie because no one holds them to account. That's why. I'm not just talking party to party. Sure, the Republican Party is going to call them out. Shows such as this one are going to call out the lies and, and point out what, what they're saying that just isn't true. But more broadly in the culture, they're not going to get called out by Hollywood. Hollywood rewrites their stories for them. Speaking of Bill Clinton, you ever see the movie The American President by Aaron Sorkin? It, it takes the story of Bill Clinton, a degenerate adulterer who doesn't believe a damn thing, who blows in the wind and all he wants is vanity and power. Bill Clinton turns him into the most wonderful man caring, unfairly targeted by the right, rewrites aspects of his body. He doesn't cheat on anybody. He's a widower, all these kind of things to make him seem sympathetic. Obviously the press are, are behind him, lower education, higher education, big tech, everybody. Big tech seemed like they were suppressing that photo of Bill Clinton yesterday until it got so ridiculous they had to let it come up on social media. They lie because th there is there is no institution in this country that, that holds them to account with any success. The, the one chance we have is occasionally Republicans win elections. Very rarely that matters so that they can do things in there. And sometimes a, a conservative commentator will get a word out before the censors come in. But that's it. And so they're going to lie to you and they're going to gaslight you. I mentioned earlier that the, the phrase content of your character doesn't have any meaning in in this culture. Part of that is because we don't have an objective standard of virtue. Part of that is we don't have an objective standard of communication. We're, we're not speaking the same language. We're not refer When you communicate with somebody, that presumes that there is objective truth outside of the two of you and that you are using words and letters and symbols to refer to that objective truth. So even though you might have different perspectives, you're still at least talking about the same thing so you can have a conversation. The Democrats aren't doing that. At a philosophical level, they don't believe in that. They don't believe in objective truth. They believe in your truth and my truth. They believe in, in forcing your vision of America through tyranny of the will. They believe in intersectionality, where the only, the only reality is my lived experience and my oppression. That's why you always hear them say, you can't talk about that. That's my experience. You can't erase my lived experience. 
You can't describe the black experience in America if you're white. Now, for some reason, we, the Democrats, can explain everyone's experience. But in that, in that framework, there's no conversation to be had. There's no good faith debate to be had. This is a brutal battle of interests. We talked yesterday about ways the left is trying to steal the election. That's what it's going to come down to. This is much less a fine debate in your garden or a, a gentlemanly election than it is a bare knuckle brawl. That's what the Democrats were signaling yesterday at the DNC. But it goes beyond the political arrangement. It goes into corporate America. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I've got to thank our friends over at Pure Talk. You know, people think that their cell phone bill just has to cost what it costs. They're always going to have to pay a lot of money. That's not true. There are easy savings that you can find. Who is your wireless provider? Is it ATT, Verizon, T-Mobile? What if I told you Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers? Same towers, same exact coverage, but it costs you half. I, I, I know that you think what I'm saying is it's a similar network. It's similar. It's the exact same one, but it costs you half. Switching is very easy. You can keep your phone. They'll send you a new SIM card so you can get the same great service you currently have, but at half the price. Listen to this. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. That is insane. The average person is saving $400 a year. Customer service, by the way, is right here in the U.S., and their CEO is a U.S. veteran who understands what it means to serve this country. Head on over. These guys are the real deal. Unlimited talk, unlimited text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. All you need to do is grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say keyword Michael Knowles. That's pound 250. Say keyword Michael Knowles, and when you do, you will have 50% off your first month. Beyond the political realm, beyond the DNC, which I can't believe I've got to watch for another night tonight, what I do for you people, what I do, the sacrifices I make. Look into corporate America. This leaked yesterday. It was a slide from a Goodyear Tires employee presentation. It described their zero tolerance policy, their zero tolerance policy on expression, things you can say, things you can wear. Here is what the slide lists as acceptable expression. Black Lives Matter, or Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Pride. Those are the two things listed under acceptable. Here's what's listed as unacceptable. Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, MAGA Attire, or Politically Affiliated Slogans or Material. So far left-wing activism, good, acceptable, Anything even remotely patriotic or conservative, unacceptable. That's corporate America. I mean, just these blue, you can't say that you support cops. You can't say you support law and order. That's no longer allowed because of Goodyear. You can't say you support all lives. It has to be only black lives, not all lives, black lives. White lives are bad. Hispanic lives are bad. Asian lives are very, very bad. No one cares about that. They don't matter. Only only black lives, according to Goodyear. MAGA, you can't support the president. You can't even support the expression, make America great again. You got to make America worse. Or you got to say America was never that great, just like Andy Cuomo said when he was being slightly more honest. And nothing political, unless it's left-wing. I think conservatives are finally waking up to something that they did not understand for decades. For decades, conservatives in the Republican Party carried water for corporate America. They shilled for giant transnational corporations with no loyalty to their own country, no sense of honor or virtue. They, they bought into this BS 
kind of silly Ayn Rand argument from the 1980s that all that matters is money and we've got to worship money and any sense of solidarity as our country, any sense of respect for our founding ideals and our founding fathers and for the common good is somehow un-American. Go back and read the founding fathers. Go back and read the writings of John Adams, Thomas Jefferson. Go back and George Washington. Go James Madison. Go, I mean, we can list all the founders. Go read Abraham Lincoln. Do you know what they refer to all the time? The common good, virtue, loyalty, patriotism, solidarity with our fellow citizens. When you go back and read the founding fathers, it doesn't read like an Ayn Rand novel. It doesn't read like some bad Russian novelist. Okay. We've got to come back to a sense of what this country is. That doesn't mean we have to throw out capitalism. That doesn't mean we have to hate businesses all of a sudden, but it does mean that we've got to get our priorities in order. We are Americans. We have to love our country. We have to, we have a right, we the people to assert ourselves in politics. And if you're not going to do that in your corporation, I don't want anything to do with you. Okay. Goodyear, by the way, has not confirmed that this was them. They haven't denied it either. Seems to me like if this weren't their slide, they, they would have denied it right away. On, on this point, I think there are some people, there, there have been some kind of more libertarian Republicans who are afraid that the moment we start talking about patriotism or the common good or national borders or anything like that, that we're going to throw capitalism out the window. But actually the opposite is true. The, the thing that is most imperiled, capitalism, private property, is our lack of patriotism, our lack of a sense of the common good, our lack of going back to our founding fathers. That is imperiling it. The Democrats are telling that to you, not just in private conversations. DNC panelists are explaining to the youth council of the Democratic National Committee that they want to throw away capitalism. Ditching capitalism, ditching private property goes hand in hand with ditching a sense of our common good and our common tradition and our, our common uh, political founding. We'll get to that in one second. Then I got to tell you the greatest news of all. The gr- oh my gosh, what great political news. We'll get to that in one second. First though, got to thank you all for subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. We just crossed 180,000 subscribers. We will have some great content coming out this weekend. Not going to tell you what yet, but it should be fun. We have a backstage this Friday. We're going to be talking about the DNC. Uh, the, obviously that's all we're going to be talking about this week. They're giving us a whole lot to work with here. Also, you got to get all access, all access members get to join all access live tomorrow night, August 20th. We'll be doing a very special live stream watch party covering the democratic national convention's biggest speakers. Daily Wire's own Matt Walsh will be hosting it. The stream starts at 8:45 Eastern, 5:45 Pacific. Do not miss this great opportunity. Head on over dailywire.com slash Knowles. You get 20% off all access with not just one, but two leftist years tumblers, with coupon code access, dailywire.com slash Knowles, coupon code access, get 20% off your membership. We'll be right back with a lot more. The Democrats want to destroy capitalism. Democrats used to mock Republicans for saying things like that as hysterical or some crazy fever dream. No, now they're just saying it outright. At this youth council of the Democratic National Committee, which is all being live streamed now, Ashley McRae insisted that, quote, the future we all want that we're trying to build involves the destruction of capitalism and a lot of other things. 
we understand that this future that we all want, that we're all trying to build, um, really is about the destruction of colonization, white supremacy, and capitalism. We must, uh, we must really move away from these uh, systems and these frameworks if we really want to live in a future that does have a regenerative economy and um, does enable liberation and equity for our communities. Um, this is definitely something that we all wanna push forward. And so our hope and our, our dream is that we do push forward Green New Deal. Blah, 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 and then they list all the other nonsense they want. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it shows us that the Green New Deal really is about destroying capitalism, right? Because she, she just admitted that there. Again, AOC denied this when, when we pointed it out when she first proposed the Green New Deal. Capitalism is the key here. It's the key into understanding what they mean. Because she says, we want to get rid of colonization and white supremacy and capitalism. Now, I think some people who aren't paying very close attention, they say, well, okay, I don't, I don't particularly care for colonization. Yeah, I certainly don't like white supremacy. So yeah, let's, let's get rid of those. Capitalism? Well, see, the capitalism's the key here. There is no American colonization. We are not colonizing places. Where, where are our colonies? Last colony we have is Puerto Rico. We didn't even want that. We still don't want that. I'd be happy to give that back to Spain so that Democrats don't make it a state and steal the Senate. There's no American colonization. What they mean by colonization is America itself. They refer to this as occupied land all the time. They say America stole the land, which isn't true. They say that uh, America has no right to be on this land, also not true. And we need to give the land back. To who? I don't know. Give it back to the Comanche? Are the Comanche going to give it back to the Apache that they stole it from? I don't know. I don't know. That's their line. They, when they say we're anti-colonization, what they mean is they're anti the American nation state. You, you hear Democrats sometimes say, make, make America Mexico again, talking about the land that used to be Spanish that we then took. The land that maybe they used to be French that we then bought, who knows? They're referring to the borders of our country, American sovereignty. When they say we don't want colonization, what they mean is we want open borders and no American right to rule and to totally overturn the idea that we the people have the right to rule ourselves in this country. What about white supremacy? What do they mean by white supremacy? Well, according to the left, everything is white supremacist. According to the you've, you've just seen this come out from major left-wing institutions. The idea that now Western art is white supremacist. The idea that Western literature is white supremacist. Shakespeare is white supremacist. You got to decolonize the English departments, according to campaigns at major American universities. There's that word again, colonization. According to the left in recent days, critical thinking is white supremacist. Grammar is white supremacist. They've been releasing flyers about this sort of thing. What they're referring to is our civilization, which is not exclusively white, right? Western civilization is the only civilization in the world that hasn't defined itself primarily racially. I don't think that Eastern civilizations are uh, particularly multicultural, but the, the, the West has embraced multiculturalism in its kind of desiccated modern form for many decades now, and in a, in a truer form from the very beginning, because there is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. They want to get rid of that. That's what they're taught. That, to them, that's what they mean by white supremacy. Sean King, a BLM activist, said it the other day. said, yeah, we got to smash statues of Jesus because it's, it's white supremacy. 
<laughs> so th- that's what they're talking about here. They want to destroy the American nation state. They want to destroy Christian Christendom, Western civilization, call it what you want. And they want to destroy capitalism. By capitalism, they mean private property rights. That's always what, it, that's what they're referring to. What is capitalism? Capitalism, the word is frankly a sort of Marxist creation, but what it's referring to in this broad sense they're using it as is private property. They want to take your property away. Now that's not a great pitch to the American people, is it? Probably not. You see this reflected in some of the poll numbers. Uh, incredibly, Joe Biden's poll numbers are going down even during a convention. The, the, con- the whole point of the convention is so your poll numbers go up. So that's not good. But I've got a, a secret poll number, see, a secret data point that I, I haven't mentioned before on this show, but I, I got it from my publisher. You know that a, a few years ago, three years ago now, I did this blank book called Reasons to Vote for Democrats, A Comprehensive Guide. This was initially blurbed by our own Ben Shapiro, who referred to it as thorough. It was then blurbed by the president of the United States, who referred to it as a great book for your reading enjoyment. I spent my whole life researching this book. It's got an extensive bibliography, and then it's got completely blank pages. That's the thesis of the book. I sold a lot of copies when this thing came out, a lot and a lot of copies. And then, you know, it kind of tapers off. I still sell a lot of copies of that book because the Democrats keep doing crazy things. So I usually sell about 100, 200 copies a week. Do you know how many copies of this book sold last week? Over 3,100 copies, which is a high number even for a brand new book that's selling well. Two weeks before that, over 2,200, over 2,300. The book is selling. We're we're not really promoting this thing. We're not running ads really or anything like that. Do you know who's selling this book for me? Andrew Cuomo and AOC and Elizabeth Warren and Tom Perez and the Democratic National Convention. That's what's selling this book. And the Joe Biden campaign. That's what's selling this book. Because you can order the book secretly, right? You just order it on Amazon. It comes. Maybe you give it to a friend or something like that. I'm very skeptical of the polls going into this election because if you got a phone call right now from some stranger and said, hey, are you a, a white supremacist bigot Nazi who's voting for orange Hitler and mango Mussolini? Are you going to tell them yes or no? Some people are going to say, yeah, sure. Yeah, I am. I don't care. Any, any of the nonsense you're saying doesn't bother me. I'm voting for Trump. A lot of people are going to be cowed. They're going to be quiet about it. If at Goodyear, you are at risk of losing your job if you wear anything even vaguely supportive of the president or say anything even vaguely supportive of the president, you're probably going to keep your mouth shut, right? But what about the only poll that counts in November? I think, I mean, I I use the book kind of as as a funny example of this, but I think there are hidden data points here that show you where the country is really, really moving. I don't think the Democrats are helping themselves at all during this DNC. And so in order to reach across the aisle, in order to try to grab some of those moderates, some of those suburban housewives, they they had a a handful of squishy Republicans, some of whom, most of whom no one even remembers. And they came out to endorse at the DNC. Because you got to ask yourself, has Trump lost any votes? Trump won in 2016. No one thought he was going to win. And a lot of people were skeptical of him then. He's done a great job since then. He's assuaged a lot of fears. The never, never Trump movement has completely collapsed. So who do you lose? What people are saying is it's the suburban housewives. So you want to appeal to these more middle of the road Republicans. 
Did the Democrats succeed at that? Let's take a listen. First up, Meg Whitman, former CEO of HP, who ran unsuccessfully for some political offices, a a woman that basically nobody remembers at this point. Here's Meg Whitman's message to the convention. I'm Meg Whitman. I'm a longtime Republican and a longtime CEO. And let me tell you, Donald Trump has no clue how to run a business, let alone an economy. Okay, if Donald Trump has no clue how to run a business or an economy, how come we've all heard of him, we all know him, he's the most powerful man in the world, and very few people remember you? If he, last time I checked, the Trump organization is doing better these days, is much more prominent in the public imagination than Hewlett Packard, that you, the company you used to run. And I think she runs another one. I don't even know the name of this company that she currently runs. She's a lifelong Republican. What are her positions? I just did a quick little Google search. She's a lifelong staunch Republican who's in favor of open borders, who's against marriage, and who's pro-abortion. That's it. They got us. Wow. Principled conservatism. Oh my God. Donald Trump, he's a fake conservative. Not like the real conservatives, like open borders, anti-marriage, pro-abortion, Meg Whitman, right? How about the next one? Another Whitman, coincidentally. Christine Todd Whitman, former governor of New Jersey a thousand years ago. Here's Christine Todd Whitman's invective against President Trump. I'm Governor Christine Todd Whitman. What am I doing here? I'm a lifelong Republican. My parents were introduced at a Republican National Convention by their parents. That's how far back it goes. But this isn't about a Republican or Democrat. It's about a person. A person decent enough, stable enough, strong enough to get our economy back on track. A person who can work with everyone, Democrats and Republicans, to get things done. Donald Trump isn't that person. Joe Biden is. Joe Biden is principled conservative. I've been a Republican so long, my grandparents were Republicans, and they introduced my my parents who are Republicans. And okay, let's take a look at her record. Oh yeah, against marriage, pro-abortion, and pro-partial birth abortion. This monster, this, this woman supports a policy that would allow you to partially give birth and then kill the infant. In 1999, Whitman, when she was, when she was governor, vetoed a bill that outlawed partial birth abortion. That's that rock-ribbed conservative. So if you're a Republican who's going to vote for Joe Biden, you're siding with those principled conservatives like the ones who support partial birth abortion. And then, then my favorite. Then the best. We had been waiting. We knew this moment was going to come. John Kasich. John Kasich, whose father was a mailman, if, in case you had forgotten. John Kasich comes out. He was... a a somewhat prominent 2016 contender for president on the Republican side, he endorses Joe Biden because America is at a crossroads. Take a listen. America is at a crossroads. Sometimes elections represent a real choice, a choice we make as individuals and as a nation about which path we want to take when we've come to challenging times. America is at that crossroads today. He's standing at a crossroads. (laughs) You don't know. This is so lame. This is somehow even lamer than John Kasich. If you just took John Kasich by himself, that would be very lame. But John Kasich referring to crossroads while standing at a crossroad, that is like the lamest thing I've ever seen. I was waiting for him to say, America's come to a fork in the road. And then he lifts up a, a dining fork or he just got there and he just started, he just started turning himself around, like spinning around. America's at a turning point. 
You know, it's not, not very convincing. And what is he talking about? You know, it, I'm not going to subject you to listening to the rest of his ridiculous uh, oration, but none of these people ever get to issues. All it boils down to is Donald Trump was mean to me and Joe Biden was nice to me. And it's all about me, me, me. And it's all about personal behavior. And it's all about the tweets. Because for these people, even Kasich, Kasich is the worst one because Kasich actually had a pretty good record in his early political career. But somewhere along the way, he got to a, he got to a fork in the road and he took, he took the wrong path. You know what happens at Crossroads, by the way? I don't know if any of you are blues music aficionados. Bad things happen at Crossroads. You know what people meet? People tend to meet the devil at Crossroads, okay? And that would, that would seem to be what's happening here. Because for these people, I mean, maybe John Kasich used to be about something real. It certainly hasn't been in quite a long time. Politics is not about changing anything. Politics is not about supporting our cherished institutions. Politics is not about rolling back this awful tide of leftism. It's, it's not about pushing back against this anti-constitutional administrative bureaucracy that's taking our political power away from we the people. It's just about going along to get along. It's just about being the governor, being the congressman, being the president. It's not about doing anything. There are some people who have the audacity to refer to themselves as principled conservatives who are siding with these hacks because they say Trump's not a real conservative. Trump is the most conservative politician of my lifetime. Not in any traditional, you know, not, not in any, you know, past 30, 40 years since, not in his comportment even in many ways, but in what he's doing in his political vision, much more conservative than any of these hacks. Very sad to see Kasich go like this. I don't think they're going to convince anybody though. I don't think they're going to get, get anybody to actually go over because Christine Todd Whitman told them to. So all they've got now are these lies. They, they drag these people in front and say, I'm a lifelong rock-ribbed Republican. Not true. They'll have Andrew Cuomo come out there and say, we love America. We support America. We did a great job during the COVID crisis. They're going to push these lies on you, just like they've been pushing a lot of lies, especially for the last five months. The only question of this election is going to be, do we let them get away with it? I don't think this election is going to be about persuading people or convincing anybody, which is what elections should be about. I think this is going to be a bare knuckle brawl over tactics. One, can they hoodwink you because they own the, the mainstream media, because they own the, the apparatuses and the institutions? And then are they going to be able to, to steal it at the mailbox, which is, which is the big political operation that's currently underway? Are you going to let them do it or not? I, I hope that the RNC goes out, does a live convention, or at least a partially live convention. It might be too late for that, but they should. This infomercial DNC thing is such trash. It's so pathetic that if we went out there, showed a little life, I think that could rev up the base. But then on the operational front, you got to make sure that you don't let what, what uh, Drew Clavin would call the empire of lies. You don't let this, this desiccated, dishonest edifice that gaslights you at every turn get power again. Because if they're shameless now, when they're sort of out of power, imagine what it'll be if they take power back again in November. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, 
including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.